0: Take your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 4 again tonight. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Once again, I thank you for the revelation knowledge you're revealing in our hearts. Father, I thank you that we want to walk into everything that you have made available to us in our lives. We thank you for the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of each and every one of us. Holy Ghost, you just continue to do the work. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Reveal to us what we need to do in this day and this hour. And give us a revelation of the ability that we have, the name that we have, the authority that we have, the power that we have, so we can do what you want us to do in this day and hour. And we thank you for it. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, First Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 11. This is a verse I told you you need to circle, you need to put something around and look at it for yourself because it basically explains the operation of God. It says, if any man speaks, how many of you are going to? Yeah. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it as the ability which God gives. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice it says, if anyone ministers, that would include you, let him do it with the ability that God supplies. If anyone speaks, let him speak in line with or in agreement with the oracles or the word of God. The ability of God available to you, Will be equal to the revelation that you have in the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so important. The more revelation you have in the Word, the more power will flow out of the inside of you. God's ability is available to every Christian. The church has thought and been taught that God gives some abundantly to some and not so much to the other, but that has been a lie over the years. We've even magnified people, you know, from the other years, like guys like Smith Wigglesworth, who raised 10, 20 people from the dead, and everybody would always say, Well, that's Smith Wigglesworth. He's special. But that's not right, because basically all the power of God is available to help every single born-again believer to be a Christ-like person. You've already got the power on the inside of you. All of us have the same new birth. When you got born again, it was a miracle. Your old nature was removed, your new nature was put in, and God's nature was on the inside of us. Each and every one of us have the same Spirit of God. We have the same power ability as our brothers and of our sisters. We have the same Word of God. Now, the difference with the Word of God is you have access to the Word of God, and you choose whether you're going to take care of that access or you're going to spend time accessing the Word of God. You had the new birth miracle. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, but it's up to you whether you're going to access and spend time in the Word. We all also have the same authority. Say authority. The authority, of course, is in the name of Jesus. It's in our identity, and it gives us all the same potential. So, what's the difference? Why are some Christians living in victory, some living in defeat, some walking in power, some never saw the power, some close to God, some not? Because the only way to gain access into God's unlimited ability is through unlimited revelation. In other words, the more unlimited revelation you have in your life, the more power of God will flow out of the inside of you, because on the inside of you, how many know your power is unlimited? I mean, we're talking about God living on the inside of you, so there's plenty of power on the inside of you. So we need revelation. Revelation is basically revealed knowledge in the spirit. It's revealed knowledge in the spirit realm, basically that you did not get from your five physical senses. You didn't see it. You didn't feel it. You just got it basically from the word of God because the word of God said it. You believed it and that gave you knowledge. How many of you believe that God is real? How many of you seen him? Alright, you haven't seen him. What is that? That's revelation knowledge of something that you haven't really touched, you haven't really seen, but it tells you that God's there. So you get revelation knowledge. How many of you know that heaven's a real place? How many of you have been there? So you haven't been there, but you still believe with all of your heart something because it's been revealed to you by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And even though you've never been there or never seen it, how many of you believe in angels? Angels come once again through revealed knowledge. How do we know there's angels? Because the word of God says there are angels. What if I never see one? Doesn't matter. What if I never feel one? Doesn't matter. What if nothing ever happens to me about an angel? Doesn't matter. The word of God gives you revealed knowledge. You will only basically minister and preach and teach what you know. You cannot minister and teach what you don't know. In other words, you cannot grab something off someone else and regurgitate it just because they did it, you have to get a revelation for yourself. Grandma's revelation won't help you. Mom and dad's revelation won't help you. It's the revelation that you get from the word of God. What does that cause you to do? To speak boldly and act on what you really believe. Whenever you get a revelation, boldness rails up in your heart. There's a boldness on the inside of you. What you really believe will become your way of life. A revelation will become your personal persuasion. So if I have a revelation of healing, then I will walk in divine health. If I have a revelation of authority, I will rule in this day and this hour in my life. If I have a complete revelation of righteousness, peace, and joy, I'll live in line with the Holy Ghost and the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the Word is bringing revelation to us. Who's responsible for that? We learned in week one. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all what? Truth. Truth. And in order to lead you into guide you all truth, sometimes He has to remove some air. In other words, some stupid ways that we used to think. The Holy Ghost gets in there and says, that ain't right. No, that ain't it. That's what they taught you, but that ain't it. And he takes the word of God and removes air out of your life because he wants you free. And the more truth you know, the freer you will become in your life. So that's the spirit of God. That's his main purpose. That's what he wants to do. He wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. So this tells us we can be taught by God. Say, I can be taught by God. Hallelujah. That is such a good statement. I'm telling you right now. If you believe you can be taught by God, then you're always teachable all day long. I mean, you may be teachable on Sunday morning, you may be teachable on Wednesday night because pastor is preaching, but when you've got a Holy Ghost on the inside of you, you've got to be teachable all the time because he's with you the whole time and he's always ready to teach you over some circumstance, some situation in your life to help you get revelation. So you will preach with conviction, you will talk with conviction, power, absolute assurance, and basically whenever you do that, God's power is there to back up what you believe or what has been revealed to you. Once again, how does it work? Uh, I want to speak with all boldness, divine utterance out of my mouth. When I do that, it releases the power of God that's on the inside of me and flows out to change the situations of my life and the lives of others. The Spirit of God will enforce and validate the revelation that God has gotten over to you. It says in Mark that they went forth and they confirmed the word with signs following what was that they went forward and they preached the gospel and they preached it with boldness and when they did that the spirit of God backed up or the power of God backed up what they preached now how many know if it backs up what you preach then it's a good idea to preach what's in the word of God rather than something else that's why you need to study the word and find out the word because what's in your mouth will basically get activate what's on the inside of you and we've already found out that if you walk in fear you're going to activate some things that you don't want to activate in your life So the power of God's on the inside of you. Revelation will bring boldness of speech and a supernatural demonstration of power. Divine utterance brings divine intervention into people's life. You can take yourself from being sick to healed. Take yourself from being poor to rich. Take yourself from being powerless to powerful simply with a revelation of what God's will is in your life. You speaking it with divine utterance and the power of God backing it up and bringing it to pass in your life. All right, go to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at some stuff tonight. You're going to get some stuff tonight. All right, Acts chapter 9. Let's start in verse 36. It says Now there was at Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. For as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay and that he would come. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought unto him in the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, and showing the coats and the garments which darkness made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, kneeled down and prayed, and turning to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you like to bend there again? Praise God. I'm telling you what. Put that in a paper, would you? Verse 41. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. Okay, here we see the story of Dorcas or Tabitha. Peter basically, as you can see, got called to go to Joppa. Notice, he got called to go to Joppa. He did not go there to try to raise Tabitha from the dead. He did not go to make an attempt to do that. He went there because he already knew what God's will was in the situation. He didn't go there to pray a nice little prayer of comfort for the family and the people around him. He did not go with an attitude of, well, if God does it, it's fine. And if God don't do it, that's okay too. Apparently, Peter had a revelation of the word of God and God's will the people knew it. How do we know they knew it? Because they didn't go get George over in this town or Hank over in that town. They went and got Peter. Why? Because they knew that Peter had a revelation from God. He was operating in divine utterance and he was operating in divine power, which caused miracles. There was power behind the revelation that Peter had. And confidence was the outcome. Boldness was the outcome. Peter was going to minister with the ability of God. Now, how many of you think he needed it? Mm -hmm. Notice this wasn't a sore throat. This wasn't a hangnail. This lady was dead. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 40. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body of Tabitha said, Arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So here comes Peter. He's carrying the ability of the Holy Spirit. He has a revelation. He is going there for one purpose, that is to raise Tabitha from the dead. How many of you know that's a miracle? the first thing he did was kick all the people out that were weeping and mourning. And some of these are the people who actually sent for him to begin with. And when he got them, he kicked them out of the room. Peter got rid of the people who already made a decision to bow the knee to the circumstance. In other words, these people said, there's no hope, it's not gonna work, she's dead, that's all there is to it, praise God. Many times when you're ministering to other people who have something serious, sometimes you will have to kick people out of the room that you're in to minister. I've done it several times in hospitals. I'll go in to pray for a husband or wife and the other spouse is there and the spouse is weeping and the spouse is moaning and the spouse is... Now, I think Peter was a little bold because it says he kicked them out. There's ways you can do this and get away with it. In other words, I'll take $10 out of my wallet. I'll tell them, hey, you've been here a long time. Go down. If their son's there, take your son down. Get something to eat at the vending machine and I'll stay with your husband for that time. What am I doing? Being nice? No, I'm trying to get him out of there. And it's worth my $10 to get them out, considering they're in unbelief, and they could cost what's going on in the miracle realm that time. So when they leave, what happens? They go. But I didn't just say, get out of here, you unbelievers. I mean, no, that will not help the atmosphere. No, that'll mess it up. Now, the easiest thing for Peter would have been to go there and start crying with everybody, wouldn't it? And patting everybody on the back and saying, oh, my goodness, look at the cloak. Oh, that's such a beautiful cloak she made for you. But notice Peter had a revelation and he went there to cause a miracle to happen. You cannot be mindful of an impossibility and at the same time expect to overcome it. You cannot be mindful of an impossible situation at the same time expect to overcome it by the power of God. The only way to deal with an impossibility supernaturally is to be mindful of the report of the Lord that you have in your heart. Now this gets tough in this day and age because we live in a country where there's a lot of doctors and there's a lot of opinions. And once that doctor speaks his opinion, it becomes the truth to most people. Why do more people get healed in Africa and all those places? Because they don't have a choice. They don't have a doctor and they don't have a report. So they just believe Jesus' report because it's the only report they got. But here we've got the doctor's report. And every time the doctor gives you a report, it never seems to be a positive report. I mean, I never heard him say, praise God, I ran everything. You're just full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God's all over you and you're just gonna walk out of here right now. No, they're gonna find something there to say to you, you've got to contradict that immediately with the Word of God and understand that God's Word is more powerful than the doctor's Word, more powerful than people's opinion, more powerful than whatever people think. So once again, you're going to have to be focused on the report of the Lord. You also need to remove unbelief as much as you can from the situation. How did Peter know what to do? How did he know, why should I remove these people? Why did he do that? Uh, go to Mark chapter 5. We're going to come back to Acts, but you'll be able to find it. Interesting when you study the Bible to find out that Peter and Paul and all those disciples basically learned everything they learned the same way that we learn everything that we learn. They weren't a special group of people that just all at once got revelation knowledge, but they learned basically by studying the word or studying Jesus and see what he did. All right, Mark chapter 5, let's look at verse 22. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down at his feet And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and they thronged him. Now here's Jairus, came to Jesus, sent for Jesus, why his daughter was basically dead at this time. Now we just read Tabitha, what was the matter with her? She was dead, wasn't she? All right, look at verse 35. Go back to verse 34. And one of his friends came and said, no, go go to verse 35. Let's go there first. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only Believe, what was he doing? He was attacking unbelief that was trying to come in that situation. Now, basically, what the friend said was what was going on. She was dead. He wasn't lying. But basically, Jesus had a revelation of something bigger than the word that he brought. Look at verse 37. And he suffered or allowed no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So notice, he only allowed certain people to go with him. Only certain people could go along with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, keep going. Look at verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he sees the tumult, and of them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but she sleepeth. Now watch how quick they moved. And they laughed him to scorn. How many even you know most of them was just doing what you should do in that situation without even having any sympathy in the situation? Because if you're down and out, you cannot switch to laughter that quickly. So look, and when he was come in, he said, why, why make this damsel weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he takes the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. What did Jesus do here? He kicked out all the unbelief so that he could do a miracle. Now, how many of you know one of the people he took along was Peter? So Peter was there when this happened. Peter said, wow, when there's unbelief there, you need to kick the unbelief out. So when Peter had a chance to deal with somebody who was dead, guess what he did? He kicked the unbelief out of the room. Why is that? Because he had learned from Jesus how to handle the situation. When he got to Tabitha, he remembered back what had happened there. All right, just go look in Mark chapter 6. Look at verse 1, and he went out from hence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him and when the Sabbath day was come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying from whence is this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands is not this the carpenter the son of Mary the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon and are not these sisters here with us and they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, "A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty works. It doesn't say he would not do mighty works. It said there he could not do any mighty works except lay his hands upon a few sick folk and heal them." Well, what was the problem? The problem was, and he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. And he went round about the villages, and what did he do? He taught. He taught. So we find out not only is unbelief a problem that you've got to get rid of, but if people are in unbelief, the only way to get them out of unbelief is to simply to teach them. See, so many times people want prayer. You know, I need prayer, I need prayer for this. Many times instead of just laying your hand on them and praying them, you've got to locate them. Yeah. You've got to find out where they're at first. You've got to find out what they're believing, what they're not believing. Because if you get a track record of praying for people who are in doubt and unbelief and you pray for 100 people, they all die. How many you know it starts to affect you after a while? You think, what's his power of God stuff? I don't think I got any. What's his divine utterance? I don't think I got any of that. And it could just be you're dealing with unbelief people, and sometimes you have to use the word to take them out of their unbelief and into the present-day victory so that you can get it over to them. We are delivery people. We deliver deliverance to people. We deliver healing to people. And sometimes some people are not ready to have that happen. I read a book one time by uh, Alexander Dowie. Did you ever hear him? Mighty man of God, did a lot of healings, did everything. He came to a city one time, and they knew he was coming. And of course, about everybody he prays for got healed. That's just where he was. And he set up in a house, and they set him up on the second, second floor of this house. And people were lined up all the way through town to come get their healing. And the Bible says that 199 people passed by him before he prayed for one. He finally found somebody who was ready to receive at number 200. Then he could give the utterance and release the power, and it would be received by that person. What if he'd have prayed for the first 199, it wouldn't have worked. I'll tell you, I'd have quit. How far were you going to go in this stuff? So notice there's a revelation that you need to do. Sometimes you need to, we're too quick to pray, Sometimes we need to teach people beforehand, instruct people beforehand. If you want a miracle, you just can't say, well, God, give me a miracle. If I get one, I get one. If I don't, why don't. If you don't have a scripture to stand on that relates to you getting your miracle, you're never going to get a miracle. So you've got to start where it starts, with the seed of the Word of God. You've got to say, hey, by the stripes of Jesus, you said I'm healed. Bless God, then I'm healed. And if the Bible says I'm healed, I don't care what that person says, the pain says, the doctor says, I am healed, and I thank you, praise God, for your miracle, and I am healed. What am I doing? Divine utterance trying to release the power of God on the inside of me. But sometimes you have to go back and convince yourself of what's going on. Let's just go back and take a look at this. Oh gosh, we're not getting very far here. All right, look at verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus come in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be what? Whole. Now, what is that? What is that when she said that? Divine utterance. She released divine utterance. Notice she did not say, if I, might touch, if I touch his clothes, I might get healed. If I touch his clothes, well, I could be healed if he's in a good mood. No, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. So what what did we learn? We learned that it's divine utterance released out of our mouth basically releases the power of God. So what happened when she did that? Verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, notice, when we operate, we're born again Christians. See, I'm born again Say, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. So when I release divine utterance, the virtue or the power of God comes out of the inside of me to help me, to touch the people around me, to heal somebody, to deliver somebody. This lady gave divine utterance, but how many of you know she did not have any power in her because she wasn't born again and didn't have the Holy Ghost? But her divine utterance released divine power out of the inside where virtue was, which was in Jesus. Come on, are you following me? So what did she do? She basically by her divine utterance started the miracle and and the power of God came out of the inside of Jesus. And Jesus said, my God, who touched me? What happened? Somebody came to him, not in unbelief, not in trying to get something, but somebody came at him with divine utterance in their heart. And when he released it, the virtue of God came out of the inside of Jesus and it healed her because she didn't have her own virtue at that time. But he needed divine utterance from people. Notice there was a multitude of people here. How come she's the only one that got healed? Well, because God's a respecter of persons, and he heals some, and he doesn't heal others, and sometimes he does, and sometimes he don't. And he just liked that lady because it's been a long time, and she didn't have any money, and no, no, no. Did it basically because there was divine utterance released, and it released the power of God out of the inside of Jesus. Now watch what Jesus says, verse 34. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Now we all know that it was the virtue that made her whole, But all she had access to was the faith to draw the virtue out of the inside of Jesus. Are you following me? So what was it? It was divine utterance. So when Jesus got to the place where this this girl was in verse 41, he said, Talitha kuma, damsel, I say unto you, arise. What's that? Divine utterance. He didn't pray over her for 20 minutes. He didn't hope something happened. He just spoke the end result. You get up and you rise right now. And the power of God went out of the inside of him, hit her and brought her back to life. And she sat up, praise God. What was he doing? Operated in 1 Peter chapter four about divine utterance and the divine power on the inside of each and every one of us. All right, go back to Acts chapter nine. If you can just get this little thing down here, that's why we're spending two weeks on it. Because this is the key to healing and delivering and setting people free. All right, Acts chapter 9, go back to verse 40. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when he, she saw Peter, she sat up. So Peter here had to protect the anointing of God. How did he do it? He removed all the contrary elements out of the realm of influence, which this time were people. You have to protect the power of God that God has given you. You have to separate yourself from the influences of the flesh, the influence of the unbelief in people's lives. Our tendency has always been to pray first. Pray, just pray, just pray. And I'll tell you, you know, God's been working on me too. He keeps saying, don't pray for anybody that you don't think is going to get what you're praying for right now. I didn't like it either. See, it's good. People come up for a healing. You pray for them. You walk away. I, I, I prayed for him. you know, but, but God says it's not supposed to work that way. If you pray for them, the reason you pray for them is you're supposed to be releasing the power of God, and they're supposed to get healed, not four weeks from now, not come back the 13th time, not come back the 20th time. You've got to start believing for it right now, and if you're not in that position to do it, then don't even bother to do it. Because you're just them, and how I many you know, it's tough if you get prayed for 4,000 times when you're sick and you don't get anything. Pretty soon, what makes it, I'll go up again, put a hand on me again. And say. All that does is drive in the unbelief. We have got to become specialists yes. Yes. in the area of the spiritual realm. We have got to know when to and when not to. We've got to know when to hit the mark. We've got to know when we're ready to hit the mark. We've got to know where we're at spiritually, praise God. So you've got to stay away from Sister Bucket Mouth, don't you? Mm-hmm. You have to stay away from Brother Gossip. Stay away from Oliver Offense. Stay away from Harry Hurt and stay away from Negative Nellie. Because all these people will affect the anointing of God that you have on the inside. The anointing requires an atmosphere of appreciation and an invitation to the Spirit of God so that He will manifest in a situation. It needs a faith atmosphere. How many know there are churches out there and places where the Holy Ghost isn't even welcome? One time somebody wanted to take me to a church because they... Belonged to a new church, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, I'll go. I don't really like to do that. I went in and they hand you a bulletin, of course, and the back of the bulletin it says, in this church we, sp- we speak in one language, English. I said, well, I'm getting out of here. They don't even believe in tongues. I mean, what am I doing here? They don't even believe in that. that little manifestation of the Holy Ghost. What happens if something really happens here? Everybody's going to fall down and faint right on their bulletin. We only speak one language here. And that is English. So I said, well, so there's churches out there that don't even know about the power of the Holy Ghost. They don't know about the deliverance. They don't know about what they have on the inside. And the Holy Ghost will not break up your schedule just to invade your time all the time. You have to be ready at all times. He will not be able to invade your life because of your daily routine. You must be aware and be ready and put a demand on the anointing at all times. I notice every place you go, if you want to live with a purpose in your life, every place you go you are simply going there to do what needs to be done but also looking for an opportunity to release what God has placed on the inside of you. So when I go to play basketball, would I like to score a lot? Yes. Would I like to actually get a rebound against those guys? Yes. Would I actually like to make it up down the floor? Yes. But my main thing is there is if someone needs ministry there, I am ready to do something for them in order to help set them free in their area. It may just be sitting down in between games and some guys having a marital problem or whatever, but you're always ready. You're going with a purpose. You're going because you want to fulfill the word of God, praise God. So you're always looking. And I'll tell you, that's what makes life so exciting. You know, going to the grocery store can be exciting if you've got your radar out. You're looking for something to happen or something to go on or, or whatever. You're always looking to release this ability on the inside. But since we've not been taught enough to understand what we have in here, you're the answer to most people's problems. God, it's on the inside of you. The power of God's in there, praise God. And God wants you to tap into that ability of the spirit of God on the inside of you. Now notice what Peter did, verse 40. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So Peter put them all forth, and then he knelt down, and what did he do? He prayed. Say, he prayed. Now prayer in the Bible is explained as coming boldly to the throne to obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Now, how many know this was a definite time of need? This lady's dead, praise God. Now, what did Peter pray? What do you think he prayed? I mean, he kneels down, here's this lady dead. What was he going to pray? I can tell you what he didn't pray. He did not pray, God, raise her from the dead. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. Go to Matthew chapter 10, put your finger there. Right, Matthew chapter 10, here's Jesus, basically, let's look at verse 1, and when he called his disciples, 12, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of de- disease, look at verse 7, now he's talking to the disciples, how many know Peter was there, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received and freely give. How many know Peter was probably listening to this? But notice what he says. You heal the sick. You cleanse the leper. You raise the dead. You cast out devils. Freely you have received. Now freely you have to give. So Peter would not have prayed for God to raise the dead when Jesus already told him to raise the dead. And most of the time we spend all our time praying for God to do what he gave us the ability to do ourselves, and we don't get any results because the power that God needs in order to get it done is on the inside of you, and the utterance he needs to get it done is already in your mouth, so it's only going to work from that standpoint. Are you following me? I know this is different. I know you never heard this before. I know this is not the way you pray. I'm trying to get you results, praise God. And this is the way it is. So he did not pray. He did not say, oh, God, heal him. Or God would have said, I already told you to heal him. Raise him from the dead. I already told you, raise him from the dead. I've given you everything that you need. We, we did a class before this on authority. You think it's a coincidence we did authority before miracles? No, it's not, because if you don't know your authority, you're never going to speak with divine utterance. You're going to speak like a little sheepish person. Oh, Jesus, if you want to do something, instead of bold. But notice, Jesus was always bold. Get up. Be healed. Be made whole. Stop. What was he doing? He was speaking divine utterance and releasing the power of God that was on the inside of him. So Peter did not pray and ask God to do what God had already told him to do. Whenever Jesus basically dealt with the dead, he gave a command. Arise, come forth, get up. What was the command? It was the oracle of God, if any man speak. What was the ministry? It was the ministry of the Spirit of God in him. He said, Tabitha, arise. The Bible calls it authority. It is given to every single believer. Say, I have authority in my identity, which is Jesus. That's why we speak in the name of Jesus because we have the same identity as Jesus has, which gives us the authority to speak with authority in our lives. The Bible calls the power to confirm and back up the word authority. And what's that power called? The anointing. Say, the anointing. Now, how many know the Bible says you have authority? Say, I have authority, authority. and I have anointing. So why would God give you authority, anointing, if he was going to heal everybody, set everybody free, cast out the devil? Why should he give it to you if, you if you don't need it anyway? But you do need it, see? God needs you to find out about it and use it. The anointing is a very ability of God or the miracle working power to enforce the authority of the word you have spoken. And where's that anointing tonight? It's on the inside of you. So Peter Peter spoke the word here. He spoke it out of his identity of Christ and the ability of the Holy Spirit. The results was resurrection life came into her body. Peter did not pray that God would raise her from the dead. He knew the will of God and he knew it was God's will to raise her up from the dead. Peter knew that he had the ability. He came to Joppa of God's desire and his ability. Now, how many know the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and Destroys, And how many you know that death is basically kill and destroy? And Jesus came to give life and life more. Amen. So Peter knew that death was not in line with it. Now, basically what you need is God will quicken a rhema word to you. It's much like operating in the, in the word of knowledge, in the word of wisdom or whatever. If God, I mean, you go to a funeral and God quickens a word to you and you know it's been quickened, then you want to do something about it. But you're not going to have that at every funeral you go to. Don't walk up to every casket funeral you get, start laying hands and commanding life to come back in the body. God will quicken on the inside of you and show you. Many times he'll show you who to pray for healing and who to teach about healing before you pray for healing. Why is that? Because he wants results. How many know he wants results? I mean, if we're not going to get results, there's really no patent. God doesn't say, oh, thank goodness, TCVC prayed for 400 people last week. Nobody got healed, but they're praying for people. How many know that doesn't do any good? We need to have results when we do these things. And in order to do that, we need to have revelation. We need to speak with boldness to release the power out of the inside of us. So what did he go to the throne to get? What did he pray? He prayed to lock into the ability of God that's on the inside of him. A lot of times when you run into a situation, you have trouble thinking even spiritual, especially if you had not been thinking spiritual the whole day. So what did he do? He took some time. He went before God. I'm sure he reminded himself that, praise God, I'm a new creation. Praise God, you told me to raise the dead. You gave me the ability on the inside to raise the dead. You gave me the ability to command with my authority in Jesus' name. What was he doing? He was basically building himself up, getting ready to do what God had asked him to do. He was coming boldly to the throne of grace, and he was receiving grace and mercy to help in this time of need. He came basically not for a resurrection, but he went to God for the ability to cause the resurrection. All right, go to Ephesians chapter two. As you study this stuff, as you look at this stuff, as you listen to it—I mean, I used to listen to tapes over and over and over. No, if I found a tape that was tickling me, you know what I mean by tickling you? It's doing something on the inside. I, mean, I put that thing back. out, wore that thing out to those little cassettes were going as they rotated around the thing. And this stuff gets in you to a point. I can remember one time Aaron was playing baseball and we were at a baseball field. It was back maybe in his high school days. And all at once while we were watching the game, the first baseman all at once dropped and started convulsing on the ground. Well, before I thought, say before I thought. How many know you better do this before you think? Because if you don't, praise God, what's going to happen? You are going to not do it to begin with. So what happened? I just ran out of the the crowd, ran through the gate, ran up there, and basically started saying, get off of him. Come out of him. Well, there was also some other people, of course, that ran over. One was a nurse at one of the hospitals here. She did not appreciate my method at all. Matter of fact, she told me to back off several times, and I just said, I got this. I said, get off of him. Get up. Rise up. You can do it. Come on, rise up. Now, notice... You've got to be in a certain place in order to do that. You see, you're just not going to do that all the time. But it just so happened I was studying the power of God. I was studying miracles. I was studying authority. My radar was up, you know. I was ho- almost hoping somebody would convulse and cl- collapse, you know, before it was over with. So when it happened, I ran out there, and I was, I was speaking powerfully. And I was speaking, how many know I had plenty of room? Nobody was crowding in. As soon as I said, get away from him and get out of him. I mean, everybody backed up about six feet. <laughs> Because everybody, and of course she got mad because she wanted to rush into the hospital and I just said, give me a minute here, just give me a minute here and pretty soon he stopped convulsing. Pretty soon his eyes opened back up. Pretty soon he was looking at me. I don't know what his problem was and I don't care, I just know it wasn't a God problem. It was a demonic problem so basically uh, basically he started looking better and then they ended up having to take him of course she had to take him to the hospital whatever never found anything wrong with him never saw any effects never saw anything else but that kind of stuff you just don't do unless you're in a position to see to do that and if something happens like that you may have to go to the throne of grace for a little while before you decide to run out in the middle of that thing and make something happen but i believe i believe that we are going to get into a place of revelation through the power of the Word of God that's being preached right now that's taking people up from an old level of I'll pray for you to I'll heal you. You know, I can't find in the Bible anywhere where he told us to pray for people. He told us to heal them, to cast out the devil. He never said fight the devil, play with the devil, give the devil a chance, hug the devil a little bit. He said cast the devil out. These are what believers are supposed to be doing on a daily basis. We're not going to somebody to pray for them. We're going to somebody to heal them. Remember, when he said to Jesus, uh, my daughter's at home dying, Jesus said, I'll come and heal her. He didn't say, well, I'll come pray for her and I'll get some of my friends. No, he said, I'll come and heal him. What was he? He was decisive. That's what divine utterance is. It makes the promises of God, yes and amen, not maybe. Maybe. Not maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Why? I know the will of God in this situation. Why is that? I've read the word. I know what God wants. I've renewed my mind. I'm not conformed to this world, but I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind that I know the ability and I know what God wants done in this situation. So I am taking his place and acting in his stead to do what he would do if he was here. But how many know he's not here? The only place he's here is on the inside of you. All right, Ephesians chapter two. Look at verse eight. For by grace are ye saved through faith, And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So here, grace provides what God has already supplied for you. God provides, or grace provides what God has already supplied. We are saved by grace through faith. Salvation is a gift. It was a grace supplied by God. Yet how many know a lot of people are going to hell right now? Even in spite of the gift of grace. Why is that? Because they have not put faith... In the free gift of grace, of salvation that's already been provided for them. Well, here we are as believers. The Bible says we are filled with the Holy Ghost and the ability of God. That is a grace. Say it's a grace. Grace. Then why isn't anybody seem to be operating in it even though we have it? Because it takes faith in what you got to activate what you got. And most of the church don't believe they got any ability on the inside of them whatsoever. Remember what Paul in Ephesians chapter one said? He wants us to understand the exceeding greatness of his power toward us that believe it is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we just read over that place Jesus from the dead. Yeah, I read that before. That's really good. No, he's trying to get a revelation over to us of the power. So people are going to hell because they have not put faith in a grace that's already been provided. And the church is not operating in power because they're not putting faith in another grace that's already provided, the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. There has to be an application of faith to receive grace from God. There has to be. I have authority. Why? The Bible says so. If I put faith in that authority, that authority will work. If I don't put faith in it, I'll never use it. I'll never one time do any divine utterance. I'll never speak to anybody. I'll never speak to a demon. I'll never speak healing. I'll never speak nothing because I don't know that I have authority. But you do. See, you can't go to God and say, well, if you would gave me ability and if you would gave me the power of God and you would gave me authority, then I would have did everything you told me to do. And he's going to say, read the Bible. It's already in there and already gave you everything you're supposed to be able to do. Praise God. So there's an application of faith to everything we got, whether it's healing, whether it's salvation, whether it's power, no matter to what it is. So Peter, basically, when he was praying, was trying to receive once again the grace and hook up to that ability that he had on the inside of her to raise her from the dead. If he was going to raise her from the dead. Now, if God was going to raise her from the dead, then why did he need Peter? Why did he give Peter power? Peter didn't need no power if God was going to do it anyway, if Peter just asked. No, he gave Peter power because he needed him to understand. So Paul, once again, prayed that we get a revelation of the power on the inside of us. And I'll just say this. These things don't come by reading. They come by Meditation. You can read it, read it, read it, and about every, you know, so long, every fifth day, you're going to read something about having power on the inside of you. But when you take the power scriptures and you write them out and you start closing your eyes, praying on the Holy Ghost, and seeing yourself cast out devils, and seeing yourself speak to sickness and disease and leave, and seeing yourself speak to the dead and be raised, that's when it builds on the inside of you. How many know your imagination will go anywhere? That's why God gave it to you. You can take it anywhere you want to take it in your imagination. You can make yourself the most depressed person in the world if you want to, and you will get there, or you can make yourself the most powerful human being on the earth simply by meditating on what he said, who you are. So Peter, what did he do? He got rid of the riffraff that was there. He dumped them. He got on his hands and knees. He went to God once again to tap into that grace. I know I'm full of the power of God. I know I have the ability. I know you're well in this situation. I know I have divine utterance. And he turned to her and he spoke to the body. She opened up her eyes and she got up. Hallelujah. Do you see how it's done? Thank you. Go to Acts chapter 4. You need to get this tape and listen to it about 4,652 times. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's amazing because every time you listen to a tape that you thought you had memorized, you learn something else all at once and wonder how you were stupid to miss that to begin with. Acts chapter 4. This scripture is for you, Kelly. Now, the disciples had just did some miracles. They were being persecuted for it. And in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 29. They went to the Lord, came boldly to the throne. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them aught the things which he possessed with his own, but they all had things in common, and with great power. Gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Notice this is a prayer for boldness. They were praying for boldness. Why did they need boldness? Not because they didn't have it, but because they were being persecuted for using their boldness. And when they used it, they made the religious people mad about it. Remember when Jesus used it? He's of the devil. He's using the devil's power to do this. Religious people get mad when you use power and authority. So here the disciples were coming to the throne of grace. What for? To obtain. They desired to speak the word with all boldness. Why? Because they knew. If any man speaks, they need to speak with the oracles of God. Then they went further and said, Thy hand to heal and signs and wonders be done. In other words, if any man minister, let him minister with the ability of God that's on the inside of him. This was in a time of persecution a temptation had come to stop commanding and to stop talking boldly about the things of God. Only a revelation will keep you in a time of pressure when something like this comes. In other words, if you don't have a revelation yet, most of the times you will back off. Why? I'm going to lose four friends. I'm not going to be invited to Thanksgiving dinner with my family anymore. I'm not going to be able to get along with everybody because they don't like the way that I do things because I'm speaking boldly the truth of God's word. I'll tell you, you want to get devils riled up? Speak the word of God with boldness. I don't care if it's your family or who it is. You just start talking the word of God with boldness and somebody's going to start moving around a little bit and get all nervous about the situation. Why? He don't want it the truth. He don't want that stuff spoken. It makes him nervous, makes him Sometimes just Jesus will do it. Crowd of people and everybody's hollering and screaming. You just go, "Jesus," and once everybody backs up about 14 steps. Why is that? Cuz people don't want to hear that. I'll tell you, most of the church don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear about the power of God and the anointing of God and all these things. So here they were coming. They had been persecuted. They were obtaining the authority again with their identity, and they were expecting power to back up what they were speaking. In verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with Boldness. Now, what, what would have happened in this day and age? We'd have probably built a church there and called it the first building of the shaking and rattling of the Holy Ghost and probably tried to have a revival there. But no, this is an ordinary thing, an ordinary way to operate in the kingdom of God to do things. Verse 33, and with great power. Why great power? Because it came from great boldness. Why did they have great boldness? Because God's great grace was upon them and the divine ability was operating on the inside of them. When a revelation comes, this process becomes a natural thing to do. In other words, you won't have to think of what to do. You know, years ago it was, what would, you, what would Jesus do? And that was all right, but if you got to think of what he, what he would do, you don't have his identity, you just naturally do it, you see? And you're, What would Jesus do? No, when you've grabbed his identity, you will just do what Jesus would do because you know the will and your ability in that situation, so you just shoot it out there, praise God. Hallelujah. So they knew God's will. They wanted to speak like they did. The disciples did not pray, "Lord, you speak your word with boldness." They said, "Give us the boldness to speak your word and release the power of God on the inside." All right, go up to Acts, back to Acts chapter three. All right, Acts chapter three, very familiar story. Verse one: Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God now you can see the whole system right here again number 1 peter had the identity because he said in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words is his identity of who I am, the new creation that I am. In the name of Jesus Christ then he gave divine utterance, rise up and walk. What was that divine utterance? So what caused the miracle here? Such as I have, I now give v what would most of the churches done they'd probably put 10 cents in his cup as they went by or 50 cents in his cup as they went by because they think that's the ability that they have but peter knew what ability he had he had the ability on the inside such as i have notice he didn't say such as god has such as the angels has, but such as I have, I'm going to give unto you. In other words, I got something you need, and you're going to get it as soon as I release and the Jesus identity, the power of God, and the divine utterance. It's going to come, and I'm going to pull you up, and you're going to jump, leap, and praise God. And how many of you know it worked? Yes. Hallelujah! The same system, divine utterance, spoke, and the identity released the power of God. All right, go to Ephesians chapter six. There are times when we minister in the Holy Ghost that there's times when you're laying hands or praying for people where someone who's coming up the aisle and you know in your heart that just by speaking a word to them, it'll hit them. In other words, they'll be coming up the aisle just about ready to get prayed for, and you all at once say, just stop right there and say, Be filled. Not once they'll start shaking and fall down on the floor. What is it? The same system divine utterance spoken out your mouth the power of god goes out hits them and knocks them down into there how many know the power of god strong enough to fly through the back doors and get somebody if it needs to it's just not within a two inch radius and you got to run up there and you got to get close or whatever but basically this power of god's on the inside but it always comes with divine utterance that's why prophecy hits people because it's divine utterance of things that God has showed someone, spoken, and basically the power of God rides that thing and it hits the person right here in the heart and anybody else who's got the same problem or in the same situation. That's the way the spirit of God operates. All right, Ephesians chapter six. Let's start in verse 18. Here we're talking, Paul's talking about prayer. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication and for all the saints. So he's telling you how to pray here, pray in the spirit, pray with your understanding. Now verse 19, he says, and by the way, pray for me, Mm -hmm. pray for me for what? That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now what's the mystery of the gospel? The mystery of the gospel was before generations is now being revealed to his saints, which is Christ in you. How many know Christ is the power of God? So you can say the power of God in you, the hope of Glory. So Paul says, man, i got to keep doing this. I gotta pray. I'm praying for boldness. I want to be bold in what I preach. I want to preach Christ in you. I want to preach the power of God in you. I want to preach the things, praise God. I want to preach these things, glory to God. Pray for me that this boldness would stay in me, that persecution wouldn't bother me. People get mad at me, it won't affect me, and I'm going to use the power of God. What for? I'm going to preach the mystery of Christ in you or the power of God, the hope of manifesting the glory of God in the earth realm. So what's, that's, a good pr- that's another good prayer, by the way. These are prayers that I pray, praise God. These are good prayers. I mean, if Paul prayed it, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Hallelujah. So what did he want to do? He wanted boldness. He desired to speak boldly. He wanted to get the mystery out there. He wanted the people to understand the mystery, praise God. And why did he want to do that? He wanted them to be aware of the power of God. The Bible says that you would put your faith in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Well, how are people going to put faith in the power of God if they never see it? All they do is hear about it, never see it done. You put your faith in it if you actually say, my God, this actually works, and it works. So there's Paul praying. What's he praying for? Boldness. Say boldness. boldness. All right, one more. Go to First Corinthians chapter 2. All right, 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 4. Paul says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Apparently, his prayer is being answered, huh? Mm -hmm. Verse 5 That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith should be in the power of God. Now, notice this is very important, verse 4 And my speech and my preaching. Say my speech. Say my my preaching. Say my speech. speech. Say my preaching. Now, notice if you're a preacher, it's important to have divine utterance in your preaching, but you need it in your daily speech at the same time. See, you can walk in power after you preach on Sunday morning and release it. You can do it Wednesday night. You can release the power of God. But on Tuesday, you also need to be walking in your speech in line with the Word of God so you are ready to walk in daily power rather than Wednesday night and Sunday morning power. So not only his preaching, but his daily speech was lined up with the word of God releasing power whenever he needed to. So his words were in a demonstration of power. Why is this so important? So people could see how powerful Paul was? No. So people would put their faith in Paul. And this is the danger when you start operating in the power of God. You singing how great I am praise God, and you want everybody to adore you, and you want everybody to think you're Mr. Revival, and you are the one who's going to set the whole world straight. You've got to be in a position where you're through with that stuff and grown up on that stuff, or somebody needs to come along and just smack you, one good one, right upside the head, because there's no quicker. I mean, that's why we have Revival breakout, and some of you aren't familiar with the old ones, but then, you know, three weeks later, he's sleeping with his secretary, Come on. Why? Because he he all at once became God's man of faith and power. Nobody else was. And his secretary starts sweet talking him, and pretty soon he goes out. The whole revival falls down, the whole thing falls apart. Revival after revival. Why? You need to be ready to operate in this stuff, and you need to understand it's his divine revelation that you're uttering. It's his power on the inside of you that's doing the work. You are just here to do what he's called you to do and what he's made you to do, praise God. So Paul wasn't trying to build a big ministry, wasn't trying to get a good church, wasn't trying to say, Paul, you're the greatest. No, basically, he was operating in the power of God, and he wanted more boldness to continue to do it. So every born-again believer, basically, the manifestation of the Spirit is to profit all. A manifestation profits you, profits the people around you. A word of wisdom and knowledge profits somebody else. Healing profits somebody else and the people that see the miracle. It's all about profiting the things of God. Every born again believer can say this, such as I have, I can give to others. In the name of Jesus, I can do whatever needs to be done. It's not a churchy thing. It is a lifestyle thing. You can walk this way and talk this way and be this way, praise God. But you've got to line your daily speech up with the Word of God and get a revelation of the power that's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Say, I have power on the inside of me. I have been called, appointed, anointed to operate in the operation of God. I choose to speak in line with the Word of God divine utterance divine flows from my heart flows from supernatural, my power supernatural power, supernatural power. From, my from my inside like a river, like a river. flows, Love backs up, backs up. Every, every, truth, every truth every utterance every everything, everything, everything lined, up lined up with the kingdom of God I am here, I am here to straighten out, to straighten out every, situation every situation that is not in line not with the kingdom, the kingdom of God I am taking back I God's kingdom kingdom. on this earth from from the enemy, person by person, Person situation by situation, daily by daily, daily. because I have the nature of God, the the power of God, the wisdom of God, and the glory of God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right. Praise God. Thanks.